You can be a motivational speaker. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm listening going, yeah, that's right. I could. I could yes, I can. Yes, I can. <laughs> you were such an, you're intense with it. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling this. All right. Let's go. <laughs> Hi, I'm Orlean. When I was a kid, I used to print spells off the internet and try to do magic. Today, Dustin and I will be talking about the book, I Am Not Okay With This by Charles Forsman. And if you are not okay with spoilers, go read the book. <laughs> I love that. That's great. So you have a long to be read list and you don't know how to proceed. Just give yourself a break, my friend, because Dustin can read. Dustin can read. Sydney appears to be a normal, rudderless, suburban 15-year-old freshman, but she harbors a secret that threatens to overwhelm her. Cartoonist Charles Forsman expertly channels teenage ennui while telling a powerful story about the intense and sometimes violent tug-of-war between trauma and control. First published in December of 2017 by Fantagraphics, the Netflix series debuted in February of this year, 2020. As part of my rule, I won't spoil anything that's less than five years old unless it has a movie or television series coming out. Again, major spoilers ahead. You've been warned. So I chose this book because of its Netflix popularity. And I watched this, you know, pretty quickly. You know, it's only seven 20 to 30 minute episodes. And I like to read the source material for things that I've watched, like you've done. You've done the exact same thing. <laughs> and, you know, in case the audience doesn't know, um, I did a guest spot on your show, The Spooky Sisters Book Club. And we talked about Lock and Key, at least the first volume of Lock and Key. So, I mean, what else have you uh, read recently as far as the graphic novels go or comics? Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is one of my favorites. There's new stuff coming out all the time. And Vampironica, which is Veronica from Riverdale becomes a vampire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I read a little bit of, um, I want to say, Jughead the Howling. Yes, where he became Jughead a werewolf. is a werewolf. <laughs> yes, I love it. There's a whole Archie horror imprint that's just a lot of fun and really creative. Well, anyway... <laughs> Just like Riverdale, you know, it does have a prominent message of growing up, although Riverdale's a little more soapy, but this is more mental health and, um, you know, LGTB, LGBT acceptance. I can't even say it and I'm one. Um, <laughs> let me rephrase that. <laughs> this is more about mental health and LGBT acceptance. And the, this premiering during Pride Month, you know, it seemed like a good fit basically, to go out, go over this one. So um, what do you think of the illustrations? I was really surprised by the illustration style because it reminds me of sillier comic strips. And like what, what specifically do you think? Uh, I think about Popeye. I think yes. about things that are in the newspaper. Um, it just basically made me unsure what the tone was going to be. I know. I, I know. It's kind of, it, it's inviting. It's almost like uh, it's comforting. It's a comforting covenant because it's so simple, so simplistic. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's um, almost like a diary of a wimpy kid also. So I thought yes, maybe yes, we were in exactly. store for something younger. Especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she reminds me, Sid, her illustration looks like olive oil to me. Absolutely. You know, except she didn't have that little kind of Andy Cap type of little ponytail. You know, yeah. Whatever that is. I don't know what that was. But the story is what keeps you interesting, not interested, not the drawings. And as it turns out, that's what Charles Forsman, the illustrator, had in mind. He went, he had that with this and his other graphic novel series or mini comic that turned into a Netflix series, um, The End of the Fucking World. Mm-hmm. He went, you know, simplistic with his design. This was due to the mini comic approach he took to serializing the story. In an interview with the Comics Journal in uh, February 2018, just after this book was released, Forsman stated that in the beginning, he stuck mainly to graphic novels until he saw his friend's mini comics sell successfully. And he said, quote, I had to stumble into the idea of serialization and fell in love with it. I like getting stuff out there in a regular clip. And it's nice to get feedback as opposed to just fighting with my mind for two years on a project, which I totally I get it. I love instant feedback. I want to know. I want to know how am I doing? How's it going? You know, it helps you build somehow. So, you know, there's another um, thing that he's also known for is the teenage angst storylines. And, you know, this is why he does this. He has a quote on that as well. There's a part of me that wants to constantly relive that time because when you're a teenager, your emotions are so raw. You think you have everything figured out, but you're also so lost and frustrated. I just find it fascinating, which I do too. Yeah, I feel that all the time. There's... As frustrating a time as it was, there's something so amazing about how strongly you felt. Yes, and do, and so sure. I feel less sure a lot of times about how I feel about things now. But as a teenager, when all those emotions were so raw, it just they were so just, strong. Exactly, you were like, "This is how I feel." <laughs> it was like you were on fire. Like that's how I felt all the time. Yes, definitely. And, you know, and what's funny is that I think it's sad. We wanted to not be teenagers anymore. And now that we aren't, we kind of want that raw feeling again. You know, it's kind of like, I guess that's the reason why, like, I don't know about you, but I love, you know, teenage drama like Riverdale, like, you know, um, you CW type shows. And I just love that type of stuff. And I think a lot of adults do. And it's not because they're got a Peter Pan syndrome thing about them. I think it's just because everybody can relate to that. You know, at some point, you've been through that angst. You know, everybody still knows what that feels like. I yeah, I would say it's it's nostalgia, even when it's Riverdale, which was nothing like my high school experience, obviously. <laughs> well, 902 and is nothing like my high school experience, <laughs> <Right>. okay? <laughs> Neither was uh, Dawson's Creek. But I mean, even when I was in college, I was watching High School Musical, because there is just something about that time that you find yourself returning to. That's that innocence type of thing too. You also you long for that. Yeah. You know, you know too much now. Everything was the first time. It was the first time you read that book. It was the first time you went to this place. It, you know, it was so exciting. I know. I oh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> getting all nostalgic on us. Hmm. All right. Well, how about we get to the story? Yeah. <laughs> the story starts off with an iconic first line. And it's the same first line they use in the television series, which by the way, did you watch that? I didn't. Okay. You're going to try it after this. I'm sure. I was going to be a book purist and just read this first. Okay. That's cool. But it does have the same first line, which is dear diary, go fuck yourself. (laughs) 
I love this line. And it may have been something I would have written in my journal back in the it's day. very relatable. <laughs> Did you keep a journal or do you keep a journal? No, I, I always wanted a Judy Jetson, you know, journal that I could just talk to because I'm really bad about sitting down and writing it. Well, you can get an Alexa now. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want Amazon wanna... to be my journal. <laughs> I don't think I want to put all my hopes and dreams in there. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, all right. So okay. no, but much like in this book, I've had people for my entire life tell me that I should keep a journal. And I feel the same way where it's like, oh, I have another task. <laughs> no, no, thank you. I used to keep a journal when I was a kid. I used to, uh, well, I used to keep one regularly as a kid. And every once in a while, I try to start one up again, but I just never keep up with it. It's really yeah. bad. I just forget about it. And I mean, like we were saying, adult life is just not that hour to hour exciting. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not that immediate. So. Sydney is a skinny 15-year-old white girl, a quote, not hot skinny, ugly skinny, as she says. She's got anger management issues, and when we first meet her, she's in the school counselor's office. The counselor gives Sydney a diary to help her vent her frustrations into. And Sid wonders why she can't just use her phone, and I have to agree with the counselor. The phones are too distracting. It's too easy to just flip over to another app and, you know, do this or, you know, yeah, get agree. lost on some social media thing. Plus, you know, speaking from experience, handwriting your feelings, you know, putting them out, making them physical on the page, somehow it just helps, even just a little bit. Somehow you've made it, you know, physical, you put it out into the world and it just gets, you know, those feelings out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Sid's world revolves around her best friend and her secret crush, Dina, a senior. <sighs> I'm yeah. already shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Dina's douchey boyfriend, Brad, is always around. And he's this jerk that just keeps calling her names like Beanpole and Dyke. And, you know, I don't know what it is. Even, you know, Dyke, that word is more triggering for me as a gay man than the than fag. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that is. I don't think there's any positive intention to it in any way. No. It's not something that's been reclaimed. I mean, maybe some people out there, but in in the world in general, it's a, it's an insult. It's meant yeah, as an insult. Maybe it's because I haven't heard it as much and it hasn't been, you know, I don't know. So it's then that we learn something about Sydney. She is discovering that she has telekinesis, which she uses to make Brad's nose bleed when he pisses her off, which I'm all here for down with bullies. <laughs> yeah. Brad has no redeeming qualities at, no. at this point and not later. <laughs> no, ever. Not ever. He's just he's just one one, you know, one, uh, what do you call it? One note, one note character. Yeah. So Sid's home life isn't ideal. It's very awkward around the dinner table. Her mom doesn't really get her. Her little brother, Liam, seems smart, but he talks a lot. You know, Sid is so full of anger that after her telling her brother to shut up at the dinner table, she tells her mother to fuck off before abruptly leaving. Her mom takes it for some reason. And my mom would have read me the riot act at least. I don't know what your mom would have done. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't imagine doing this. Even though I was, of course, like an angry teenager, I can't imagine having done this. I think the most I did was like slam doors or something. I definitely slammed doors. I like walked out of the room in a huff. But yeah, I stomping never did your feet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it was really going to do any good. I'm mad and I want you to know it. <laughs> yeah. So... She leaves and she goes to visit Dina 
and console, consoles Dina after um, she had a fight with Brad. You can tell she's all about Dina. However, she seems to go a little too far when she attempts to kiss her. Dina's not okay with this. <laughs> it's not okay. No. It's not I okay. Feel for, but I feel for Sid, though, because I, get you know, it. I, too, had unrequited gay love for someone in my teen <laughs> years. It's a very lonely feeling. Your hormones are racing. You're like, well, maybe they really like me. So you try and nope. I get it, but it's not okay. No, it's not. <laughs> Apparently, Sid is really horny all the time. Those teenage hormones, y'all. But she can't really masturbate because of her powers. If she gets too into it, her emotions make her black out. And she says she wakes up in weird places, though we have yet to see that in action. She yeah, says what that. is that? I know. I'm like, wait, what? And then it just kind of drops. Yeah. <laughs> like, you wake up in weird places. It's really worrying. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, so her stress is not a good thing. Even good stress, right. apparently. <laughs> Even yeah, good she's, stress. She's not handling her life very well right now. No. God, that would suck, though. But everything is, you can't feel high emotions on, on either end of the spectrum. Right. Ugh. So, we learn that Sydney's dad is dead. And um, she's starting to think of him. She's, you know, wearing his dog tags around her neck. And she now knows that her dad was a pothead. And he had mental health issues, too. He was an ex-combat military, you know, as they often have mental health issues sometimes. She remembers finding him in the fetal position in the dark basement, freaking out. And he spoke to her via telepathy. She heard him, but his mouth wasn't moving. He wanted her to help him make the pain stop. He knew that she was special like him, and he had her use her telekinesis as assisted suicide. Damn, that alone for a kid would fuck you up. You know, even because you would have to hide that too at the same time. You know, she's definitely a ticking time bomb already just from that story alone. You know, something bad's coming, you know, yeah. as I would be. Also, not okay. There's a lot of actions in this book where you're just like, oh, that is not what you should have done. That is I know. not I mean, appropriate. The, the the adult especially you know i yes, know he, if he cares especially. about his daughter as much as he supposedly cares about her he would the not have put that on her trauma yeah just the how would you not totally fuck up your kid but at the same time you have to think he's not in his right mind like you know all True. the combat military stuff you don't know what he went through and how messed up he is so he was not thinking clearly you know, obviously he that was the desperate place for him to be Oh, yeah, that's it sad. is a it's a it's a sad story with a lot of pain everywhere. Exactly. So after her awkward kiss with Dina, Sid starts to hang out with Stanley Barber, a dorky guy on her block with glasses. He sort of looks like a cartoon nerd. Just you know what I mean? Like you expect to see tape in his glasses. Are you familiar with Hey Arnold? Yes. He does okay, kind of look so like somebody from Hey Arnold. Creepy kid who always used to show up behind the bully breathing heavily because he had a crush on her. That's what he looks like. <gasps> I think I remember that. Okay. I wasn't what a big was Hey Arnold name? person, but I remember some. <laughs> okay. I'll find a YouTube clip, but that's what he reminded me of. <laughs> <laughs> so poor Stanley just wants to be liked, it seems. Other guys make fun of him and get him to do stupid things like eat food off the ground or impressions of their teachers. But he also supplies them with weed, which Sydney tries for the first time with him and some of the guys at, the, at a football game. So Sydney is now a pothead from the first buzz. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's into it. 
She's like, it has calmed her nerves, and I mean, she finally feels peace. I bet it quiets all the stuff in her head. Oh, yeah. Totally. It just shuts all that down. Yeah, now she knows why her dad smoked all that pot. Yeah. You know, she can smell in the truck. <laughs> Since Stanley supplies her weed, she, this is weird, she somehow feels obligated to thank him in a way. So she takes his virginity. You know, won't just thank you suffice. <laughs> Jeez, that's a leap, don't you think? Like, I need to thank him. Hey, let's do it. <laughs> it is very teenage girl. I guess. She's like, well, I guess this is how I thank you. It is essentially uh, like it's her. It's the only currency she probably feels like she has in this kind of transaction. Yeah. And at least it's with a nice kid. He's a nice kid. He really is. He's he's just a yeah, geek. He just wants to be she, liked. She probably didn't even have to have sex with him. She's probably <laughs> just like, oh, great. We're well, yeah, doing she this? did say it was hard because he he kept going limp right. on her. He's like, what? You want a what? <laughs> It's very awkward to say the least, but <laughs> he apparently does go to town with the oral sex and is very good at it. <laughs> He's very good at cuddling us, apparently. It just took him some time to realize what was going on. No, there you go. He had to get catch. He had, you know, guys fall behind girls. <laughs> he had to get caught up a little. So <laughs> later, Sid's usual cashier at the Unimart is gone and a new one with purple hair is there. She gives Sydney cigarettes for some reason. Who hands a child cigarettes for no reason? They, she didn't even also, ask for them. She's like, here's some cigarettes. Aren't like, cigarettes expensive? Yeah. Is that something, like, it'd be cheaper to hand out candy bars. <laughs> or candy cigarettes. <laughs> Especially to a child. <laughs> I mean, this woman, like, do you want to get caught? Do, I don't, whatever. It's so weird. Oh, anyway. At first, she says her, her given name is, quote, River, but then she goes by Ryan. Huh? I'm sorry, but River is a cooler name. She didn't it's like her cooler. name being River, and I'm like, sorry, I wouldn't want my name to be River over Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> so Ryan invites Sid over to her tiny place, and they get high. And let's just talk about the ick factor of the scene. It's a little too pedophile for my taste, since Ryan is a grown woman and Sid is just 15 years old. The adults are not making good decisions. Like I know. I, I, there is a reason your mom is worried about you, Sid. You're doing drugs. You're hanging out with creepy adults. You're out of control. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I get that situations like this happen to people a lot, you know, Absolutely. At, at times, you know, people get mixed up in this type of stuff. And that doesn't mean it's okay. I feel bad for Sid because she's already so messed up. And to add this to the mix just seems just not only dangerous, but very problematic for her in the future. Yeah, you, you know? can see why it happens. She's looking for some kind of adult comfort and stability. Focus that is on not... her only. Yes. And, and mom is too, so you know, she's focused on her son. She's focused mom on work. Is at work. She's, she's yes. not talking about dad, you know. So like, after... it, hap it happens to people all the time. But yeah, the, the impetus is on Ryan here. Yes. Ugh. It's after a very sneaky, predatory maneuvering. You see it in Ryan's eyes. She's kind of looking over. You know, it's creepy. Ryan goes down on Sydney, and we see a physical manifestation of Sydney's powers beginning to attack Ryan's brain. Like we see a, you know, I guess I don't know if it's actually there or if we're just kind of seeing it. You know what I mean? As a as an outside, mm -hmm. you know, fourth wall type of thing. It kind of reminds me of the like the electricity gremlin from Gremlins Two. <laughs> The new batch, you know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, I do. <laughs> he just shows up in the monitors and stuff. You're like, that's what he kind of looks like. That's how he's drawn, like that jagged looking. So, you know, Ryan yelps in pain and Sid just freaks out and leaves, vowing, well, no more sex for me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, that's a rough road ahead, kid. Oh, I mean, yeah. could you imagine? Just, oh, it sucks. Mm. So, you know, she gets home late and her mom has had a shit day. It's explained that her mom is really, really just sad. And Sid wonders what life would be like if her dad was there instead. Ugh. I know. Ugh. Her poor mom. You know, even though she's upset with Sid, her mom still says, I love you. But Sid doesn't say it back. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how would that have been does... handled, do you think, in your house? I mean, my mom wasn't as nice as Sid's mom, I would say. Like, didn't try to reach out in these ways. Like, very she obvious demanded ways. it kind of thing. <laughs> right? Um, it would be more like she would try to do it. And if I wanted to be left alone, then she would leave me alone. Which is not always the best approach with a teenager. No. Yeah. Sometimes you no. need the full house moment where we're coming over here. The violins are playing. Let's have a little talk. Sometimes you and have to ask the questions. Yeah. Even if you're annoying, you have to let them know you care, too, at the same time. Exactly. Even if they don't want to answer them, you have to let them know you care and that you're there. That's how it is. Yeah. And I just feel like her mom was trying, but Sydney couldn't hear it. She just has all this resentment towards her and she doesn't want to hear it, really. Right. She kind of, I, I don't want to say like she wants to be in pain because no one does, but there's a part of her that's just holding on to it. It's You get comfortable in the pain sometimes. Yeah. Because you don't know any, anything else, you know, and mm-hmm. so you get comfortable and you don't want to, it's hard to explain, but. So Sid really misses Dina. She has apparently been going to Ryan's for a bit because she mentions that she thinks of Dina whenever she's with Ryan. Ew, girl, get away from River Ryan. Get it's away all from bad. Her. Get <laughs> it's away. All bad. I call her River Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Brad and Dina have a fight in his car. He's horny and she's not. He tries to force himself on her a bit until she tells him she's pregnant. An asshole Brad yells at her and then pushes her out of the car, leaving her stranded in the street. And I'm like, what's What's going on? And it's a very simple scene, too, because it's just like the same panel over and over. It's just different, you know, word mm-hmm. bubbles. And then it jumps to Sydney goes to visit Dina in the hospital. And I'm like confused. I'm like, what has happened to Brad? Heard her? Did she get an abortion? And you know, did you kind of feel like that? Like, what happened? Yeah, I couldn't tell from the fight they were having how bad it was. She's like, let go of me or something like that or get off of me. And then yeah. that ends and he kicks her out of the car. Right. And you can't really see her. She's just kind of this figure curled up on the ground. You can't right, tell so. like what damage might have happened. And then we kind of find out later, but you know, we'll get to that. Sid and Dina make up and Sid apologizes for the kiss ambush she, you know, did before. And Dina says, Well, she's sorry for being a bitch about it. Oh, friendship. Um, Sid starts to get upset and suddenly has to leave in a hurry. Her quote, beast within is built up. She doesn't have any pot to chill herself out, so she heads to the home supply store, home box. <laughs> oh, wait. You didn't explain what made her so mad, though. Oh, I didn't really catch it, so you go for it. So my understanding is they're laying there, and she's kind of like, what happened? And Dina somehow tells her that she was raped that night. That's what I was wondering. I, was, I didn't catch how she says that because we'd find that I knew that later on they say that, but I was like, they didn't mm-hmm. really say that, did they? It wasn't obvious to me. 
Right. It just it seemed later subtle. on that maybe he had raped her and beat her up in the car. And then after that scene, she goes to the hospital. But yeah, it's not clear. I know. It's very, very confusing. Um, yeah. Ugh. Well, she, you know, Sydney gets all mad and she leaves and she goes to the home box where there are dark clouds gathering in the sky. <laughs> oh, hell hath no fury like a vengeful queer girl. <laughs> There she sees Brad talking to another douchebag, and they start throwing homophobic slurs at her and rude cat calls as she approaches. What the fuck, Brad? I'm like, ooh. <laughs> Come so she on. has this look of like, she has a pissed look on her face. Yeah. Finally, she's had enough and flings the other guy across the room with her mind, turning to Brad. She stares him down till she pops his brain with her mind. She has snapped. This is just not she, this okay. Is, yeah, you have crossed the line. <laughs> I, so, I at first thought maybe it was like a dream sequence. I know. It just it happened so quick. And you're like, well, I hope it was a dream sequence. I hope she was just thinking of it and she didn't actually do it. You know what I mean? Like a daydream. Yeah. She is not a dreamer. She is a doer. <laughs> <laughs> the most she daydreams is, is about Dina and that's about it. <laughs> yes. But like when she it's almost like she doesn't consider her actions. She just goes, oh, that's an action. I'm going to do it. I know. She's very impulsive. Very impulsive. impulsive. Yes. Back to Stanley Barber, who, let me just say, I will say is my favorite character in the television series. Okay. Why? Okay. He is, uh, he's just, he's just awesome. And he's played by, um, well, if I didn't mention this before, it's, um, Sydney's played by Sophia Lillis and he's played by Wyatt Olaf and they're both from it chapter one. Oh, awesome. They're both in that. So, mm-hmm. and they came into this and I just, I love his character. You're, I'm telling you, you're going to love him. You're okay. going to be like, I swear you're going to be direct messaging me in a little bit. Like, oh my God, <laughs> I love this character. You're going to whip through this really quick too. Okay. So sweet Stanley is just packing a bowl when Sydney happens upon him on her walk home from killing Brad. <laughs> like you do. It hasn't seemed to hit her really yet. Um, she joins him and, you know, has a smoke and feels instant relief. Mm-hmm. It sort of feels like a Jekyll and Hyde effect for Sydney. Like this is her medicine. You know, if she doesn't have it, she's going to go nuts and kill people. <laughs> so they sit in an awkward silence for a bit and then she just gets up and leaves. <laughs> she's just using him for weed. <laughs> I know. I feel really bad for Stanley. I know. And, you know, and he doesn't have the best home life. Apparently his dad's a drunk loser and, you know, he just wants to be liked. I just sad face emoji with a single tear. Really sad. So. As Sydney sneaks back into her house, she tells us that she doesn't hate her mother. It comes across as more resentment because her mother doesn't want to talk about her father or his death. And I can understand that. You know, she was probably like daddy's little girl. And now they don't even talk about it. It's just like, he's gone. Now we don't talk about him. You know, you got to feel some kind of resentment. That's that's understandable, especially as a yeah. kid. Even if she had maybe she might have blocked out what she did, really. As like, you know, she might really, she knows she killed her dad, but he mm-hmm. asked her to, and she doesn't think of it as killing him. You know, she was so young. Maybe yeah. It's probably why. just too hard to think about. And she sees how sad her mom is. And she knows that she played some part in that, even though like she was the child. Right. Right. And she thinks maybe somebody else, an adult should have played that part that she did. Probably. You know? <laughs> I mean, there's no excuse for you know suicide or assisted suicide, but you know, it's still shouldn't have been put on a kid. Mm-hmm. Poor girl. So Sid sneaks down to the basement and lays down in her in the spot that her father died in. 
And her mother comes downstairs with a baseball bat looking to fuck some up, fuck up some trespassers. <laughs> until some she crazy sees person Sydney. came home in the middle of the night. <laughs> so who the hell is in my basement? What the hell? I got a shotgun. She goes, no, we don't own a gun, mom. <laughs> She's always holding the bat. I'm like, don't ever say you have a gun if you don't have a gun. <laughs> you better have some damn good sound effects. <laughs> but it is kind of, you know... Um, it's really kind of sad that Sid, you know, is she goes to this like fetal position where her dad was. And it's like, oh, no, she's kind of starting to feel repeat the same mistakes or something. You know what I mean? Like she's fallen into his pattern. And maybe that's what that's kind of representing, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's it's so tragic that she is saddled with this again at 15 years old. I know. But at least it, this part leads to something sweet because she Mm -hmm. you know they finally have a bit of a bonding between her and her mother they end up sleeping in the same bed and comforting each other through tears her mom finally reveals that she knew of her dad's affliction that's why he was drunk and high all the time and she says it made him do bad things but he wanted to be rid of it for his kids and this is like you said very tragic and it feels like one of the X-Men franchise offshoots type of mm-hmm. thing. You know what I mean? Like, cause they had some really dark stories coming out of the X-Men, which you didn't think we're going to, you know? Yeah. It's wow. So it cuts to um, Brad's funeral and Sid decides to go, I guess out of morbid curiosity. I don't know. I I would have stayed away. I would have totally stayed away. I would not away. go. You're Absolutely. not part of that guy's Why life. Really? That? I would have stayed away. That was just, ooh, not a good idea, Sid. She says she wants to feel bad for Brad, but only sees Dina crying over her, you know, her jerk ex-boyfriend. And so it just makes her more resentful of him again because she's crying over his casket. I'm like, yeah, it didn't, that had nothing to do with it. And she still loved him, even though it was, he was bad for her. Yeah. I don't think that she wanted to feel bad for Brad. I think she just wanted to feel bad at this. Like she felt good with her mom and she didn't know what to do with that. So she decided to go back to bad. You think that's what it was? She felt too much comfort and maybe she felt like she needed a self punishment in a way. Yeah. I think she was really vulnerable with her mom and she's not vulnerable with anyone in this story. Other times. I just feel like it, it was probably scary. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I can see that. Some weird guy gives her the stink eye from across the room. Did you catch that? Yeah. Maybe some it was, weird older guy. Maybe it was Brad's dad or something. One thing that obviously isn't here, but if we think about like the greater town, there'd be rumors about this family being weird. Yes, you know? already. <laughs> already. Because the dad how the dad died, he just yes. oh, his brain popped. Like what? What happened? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think that's really, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So Sid rushes out really quick. She's getting upset. She gets sick outside. Shit. Now she needs more pot and she's out of it again. Damn it. Not back to pervy river Ryan's. She shows up at river Ryan's and river Ryan (laughs) is not happy with her for disappearing like that on her. After Sid asks for pot, River Ryan attacks her by slamming her against the wall. You know, this woman better be glad that Sid didn't lose it and just pop her head like a zit right then and there is all I'm saying. Yeah. I know. You know, she just like slammed her against the wall. 
so dangerous. I mean, for both of them, not that they knew that. I know. You know needless to say, you know, River Ryan was super hurt because she just, she can't find girls closer to her own age to date. Get over it, pedophile. Yeah, like, that's, <gasps> that's always a red flag. Why not? Yeah, you're getting on <laughs> what a 15-year-old. And you even acknowledge, like, yeah, I know you're young, but you can, like, yeah, but you're acting younger right now. You're acting younger yeah. than her. You're the adult. Don't freak out like this at a child. I know that. Yeah. I don't think this is good for her. She's not getting good influence from adults around her at all. At all. No. Don't, you know, except for her mom interaction recently. That's it. Right. Yeah. Thankfully, Sid is out of that, whatever relationship that is. So later on, the cops come to question Sydney. Her mom asks her, do you have anything, you know, you need to tell me before you and talk to them. I'm okay. You know, I will believe you, whatever, you know, now would be the time mm -hmm. <laughs> Sydney to tell her about your powers. Your mother will understand. Damn it. I mean, of course she would. She knew about your dad. Right. Don't you think she would understand? Yes. But would she understand murder? If she knew if maybe if the dad, he said the dad made, you know, his powers made him do bad things and she understood that. Yeah, that's true. The mom may have understood and been implying more than Sydney got. Just to kind of let her know, you know, I know. You know what I mean? Like, right. you're not the only one. And yeah. you know, if you've done something, you know, because she's acting all freaked out. And so she's seen mm -hmm. that pattern. Maybe she's like, I've seen my husband act like this when he killed somebody or something. You know, you never know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when he went off and, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course, that doesn't happen. She doesn't say anything about it. So the cops say that she was seen on camera with Brad at the home box and they just want to know what they were talking about. And Sid has no chill <laughs> and immediately confesses that she did it. I did it. I killed Brad with my mind. I, I did it. <laughs> yeah. What? I'm like, what? The cops are like, look at her crazy. And they're like, um, he had a brain aneurysm. And they just <laughs> right. look at her like, what's wrong with you, kid? And they, <laughs> they leave. I'm like, yeah, shut up, girl. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? No chill whatsoever. I did it. You got me. I'm like, I don't think that's what they were looking for. <laughs> yeah. One thing that bugged me about her is that she wasn't a very thoughtful person. Like she didn't reflect afterwards on her actions. Really? She doesn't even think about would she really get in trouble? Who would believe what she's saying? <laughs> like she doesn't even think that far to like what happens after I confess. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The thing is, she hasn't communicated anything to anybody about what's going on with her no you know, she will the, not share her insular life like and what's i mean going if on? you think about it that's that's the toxic thing about mental health anyway if you don't share it you know you're not going to get help for sure mm -hmm. and you've got to you know tell somebody talk to somebody right so she does go try to talk to somebody oh yeah so you know sid gets ready for school and her mother tells her that she can stay home if she wants, but, you know, Sid goes anyway. If I were her mother, I'd be more concerned with the fact that your daughter just confessed to murdering someone <laughs> with her mind. Yeah, how is she that not She just said it scene? right there in front of her mom. <laughs> I don't how understand. Do, yeah, how do you not keep her home and say, like, maybe we should talk today? Yeah, maybe, maybe not today. Maybe stay home. <laughs> like, let's, yeah. You know, you know your husband was capable of it, so maybe, hmm. So Sydney goes to the counselor's office to talk things out. And the counselor immediately, immediately turns against her. 
like just turns her attention to her failing algebra grades and Sid says, so what? That's what she's not focused on that right now. Mm-hmm. I get that because, you know, algebra pales in comparison to the shit that she's going through. <laughs> and it's obvious she needs guidance. And the counselor, however, just kicks city out of her office. And she's like, you come back here when you're ready to act like an adult. And I'm like, she just said, so what? That's all she said. What the hell? Why did you snap on her? <laughs> you know, I mean, I get both sides of it. And that's what's so hard about this book. I yeah. I understand both sides of the conversations. This woman is probably tired of the 15th student she's trying to help blowing her off. That's true. That's and true. And isn't even thinking like Sydney's on the edge. I know. I was worried here. What the hell's wrong with this guidance counselor? <laughs> <laughs> you but need like, to take imagine, a break then, chick, and get some kind of, you know. Imagine all right, her after every, day. You yeah, know? that's true. We don't know how many people have come in or maybe there was a school shooting. Like, Sydney's inability to see outside of herself means that we only see how she perceives the conversations. It's it, yeah, that's true. And this is written as her diary, basically. So yes. I totally understand that. Thank you for giving me that point of view. <laughs> do, 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 do. Anyway. <laughs> I was also a teenage girl. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so did you hide out in the bathroom like Sid did? <laughs> And write in your journal? Several times. I didn't write really? in my journal. I probably just fumed and plotted how to get out to my car so I could leave. <laughs> well, that's what she does next. <laughs> yeah. She's going out and hiding in the bathroom, writing in her journal, and telling herself how horrible she is. She keeps insulting herself and staring at her finger and insult and staring and insult and staring and insult and pop. Ugh. The tip of her finger explodes. Oh, my God. I know. I'm like, that's not a good thing, Sid. Not a good thing at all. At what point are you like, something is wrong with me? Something. I just blew up my finger. (laughs) Maybe tell anyone anything that's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Something is up. (laughs) So she goes and she visits her little brother, Liam, and she tells him that she loves him. She also double checks that he doesn't get any headaches like she does, which I thought was a good thing. Thankfully, he doesn't. Yeah, but if he does in the future, smoke some pot. I know exactly. She starts to leave. She turns like, if you ever get headaches, try smoking some marijuana. And he's like, huh, you're funny. What is he, like six? (laughs) I know. He's like, whatever, Sid. You're telling him to smoke pot. I mean, I mean, some kids need it. I mean, I get that. They don't smoke it, but they (laughs) can just see him striking, lighting up a bowl. That's probably the only thing she said to him that whole day. I know. And it was the most useful thing she's ever said to him, it seems. (laughs) He doesn't understand a damn thing she's talking about. Does anyone? I don't know. Like you said, she's in her own head. Maybe yeah. she just thinks everybody gets it. They don't. So, you know, Sid confesses via diary that she is about to kill herself. She doesn't want to hurt anyone with her weird telekinetic stuff. She's playing the martyr here. And I can understand her fear. This That is something that would be hard to explain and get help for without becoming some sort of science lab rat. You know what I mean? To be able to control something, unless you found somebody like you, that's the only, you know, that'd be hard. And it's kind of a, I don't know, you know, a, a fork in the road. Like, what, where do I go? <laughs> mm-hmm. Do I end it all or do I just keep going the way this is going? And, you know, it might not be good. So she climbs Mount Susquehanna and makes it to the top of a watchtower where she writes out her last words in her journal. And laying her dad's dog tags out, she concentrates and concentrates and then blows her own head up. 
and that's the end. It's really, that ending is very dark. I did not expect it. It's very bleak too. It's so and bleak. Yeah. I, and, and you just, you feel so bad because you're like, oh my God. And nobody knows. The only way that you're going to know now is because of that journal. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, you know, the right people find it. But yeah. we won't know. The whole thing, once I finished this book, I couldn't stop thinking about Adam's Song by Blink-182, the catchiest song about suicide that I've ever heard, but also one of the saddest because it's much like this book of, you know, I think they're 15 and they talk about how life used to be so much better and it's just never going to get better and it's all these little things that are just building up and those things suck so bad that they just can't see a way out. It, it feels very similar. I mean, it's so dark and so, it's so definite, you know, it's almost like a, um, almost after school special. Like this is what happened. You know, it's a dark after school special. Yeah. Just you urban know, legends, I guess. Yeah. In a way it's like an after school special mixed with an urban legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> stranger Cautionary things. Cautionary tale. That's what you're thinking of. Yes, a cautionary tale. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I already told you my favorite character was Stanley Barber in the show. And I still mm-hmm. like his character in this as well. So I kind of still idolize him on this too. So what character, you know, besides Sydney, mm-hmm. do you think you identified with the most? I mean, if you identify with Sydney, that's fine. But, you know, which one did you like the most? Honestly, I liked her mom the most because her mom was one of the most authentically real it felt like in the whole story well we got a little glimpse of her as well what she was going through Mm -hmm. in her day-to-day and she she sits in her car before and after work and cries like i don't know it was if i had read this at 16 i would have a totally different reaction than reading it now in my 30s and i definitely it is so much more tragic to me now to know, to even think of a 15 year old feeling this way makes me feel like soul hurt <laughs> at this point. I know. And the thing is, there's so many more kids that feel this way nowadays because of the whole, you know, isolation of social media. Cause that's, it's, you know, you're thinking, oh, well, you know, no, it's isolating. Social media is isolating and you can get bullied really easily. I mean, you look at all the, the school shootings we had in the past few years, especially not just in the past 20. But, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, the, it's gotten worse, it seems, because we haven't focused on mental health. And this is kind of like, like you said, a cautionary tale. Of like, maybe we should focus on it. Obviously, you know, these kids don't have powers, but <laughs> but you know, thank God for that. But they still could do things. You know, they could still hurt themselves or somebody else. Yeah, I think her having power is an interesting juxtaposition that kind of shows while she feels voiceless and powerless and invisible, she actually has greater power and voice than she knows and she can't see it and she exactly. doesn't know how to use it. She just and, lets it run wild and, you know, she doesn't discipline it. Right. And I think that's part of what's so sad about it is sure. Maybe her entire life would have just been painful and awful, but we've read enough books and watched enough TV and movies to know that you can train yourself or you can deal with it, or you can find other people who can help you with things. And, she wasn't foregone, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I think it's a, a sign of an effective story that I find myself feeling so much about it. Exactly. You feel passionate about it. That's good writing. Yes. You know? I, as much as I disagree with everything she did and everything she thought, basically, as much as I understand it, I disagree with it. <laughs> I still felt all the things with her. Exactly. Even with that fantastical element of superpowers, it still has a, so much realism to it because anybody could feel this way. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, not moving things with their mind, but, you know, feeling guilty about something or, you know, loving somebody that doesn't love you back or, you know, dealing with a dead parent and, you know, just home life stuff and anger in general. There's a lot of things people can relate to with this character. Yeah, I'm actually curious why he added in the supernatural element, because I think anyone would agree being a teenager, losing your dad maybe being in love with your best friend who doesn't love you back, struggling with your sexual identity, like that would be enough. <laughs> I think maybe making it more fantastical with the supernatural element helps him get the story out there mm -hmm. and it's more accepted to read. It may be even more accepting as a far, you know, as a way, you know, to spread the word to, mm. you know, mental health awareness. And that way it's not so dark in a way it's, it's 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 a fantasy. It's something. It's escapism. But at the same time, it's it's not. If that makes sense. That's a good point. I was actually thinking we know so little about this world. We just assume that she is unique because she has this. But it's not like she talks to other kids at school. We don't actually exactly. know that that she is like the one in the world who's suffering. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I, I keep wanting to say stuff about the show, but I can't yet. There's, there's, it's a good <laughs> setup because obviously the show, it's, it leaves it off to where it could come back. So it's not going to have the same ending, obviously. But it's got similar stuff. How it, could it mirrors. have the same ending? I can't imagine watching oh, no, this no, no, no. on TV. But there's, there's similar stuff that I can't wait for you to see. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, do you think that this is too adult or do you think, you know, kids nowadays would be able to handle the story like, you know, 13 Reasons Why? That's all about rape and, you know, horrible stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I think kids are already thinking about this stuff. You think they could, I, they could be something they could handle as far as YA goes, at least? I think so. Although there's a reason they have those reading guides in the back of a lot of YA books. And I think parents should look at that and think about talking to their kids, maybe also reading the book. That's number one anyway, is just talk to your kids, <laughs> find out yeah, what they're doing, what they're reading, what they're watching, like everything. If, you're, if your kid or your niece or whoever is like Sid and doesn't want to talk, what if you share this book together? Maybe that's a way to open up a discussion. In the back of the book, there's information about suicide prevention. Whatever you're going through, you can talk to someone. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Call them at 1-800-273-8255 for English or 1-888-628-9454 for Espanol. Text telephone TTY 1-800-799-4889. SuicidePreventionLifeline.org providing 24-7 free and confidential support for people in distress, as well as prevention and crisis resources for you or your loved ones, and best practices for professionals. Everyone plays a role in suicide prevention. Of course, this information is for U.S. residents. I am unsure about the information in your country, but please reach out if you need help. 
So thank you, Orlean, for coming on and talking to me about this. And thank you for your insight, because there's a lot of stuff I don't see that I need. I need some help sometimes. <laughs> and I hope you can come back again. Maybe we can do it again. Maybe not a graphic novel this time. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. I also like fun YA. <laughs> fun YA. Yeah. Nothing, nothing dark. Adventures. Nothing dark with it. <laughs> Adventures, comedy, romance, whatever. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not death. Maybe not. For those of you at home, uh, you can listen to Arlene anytime on the Spooky Sisters Book Club podcast. You can also find her on Instagram under Spooky Sisters Read or on Twitter at Spooky Sis Read. Come chat with me about your favorite weird book. Yeah, that'd be great. So thanks for talking with me again. And like I said, let's try to get something with a little more prose in it next time. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me and no giving problem. me an excuse to read this book. <laughs> You're welcome. If you have any comments or questions about I Am Not Okay With This or the show in general, please reach out to me on Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden or on Instagram at Dustin C. Holden or Dustin Can Read. Email me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com and please be sure to subscribe to be alerted of new episodes as well as rate and comment on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Dustin Can Read. <laughs>